Good morning, Hayden Bible Church. Happy Sunday. We better pray so that something actually spiritual happens here. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your ministry to us, Lord, the ministry of the gospel, how it's been applied to us by faith. Thank you for the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the washing that we have in his blood. Thank you for the ministry of the Spirit in us, Lord. We pray that by that ministry you would bear fruit in our lives. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for allowing us, by your grace, to be part of the work that you're doing on this planet. Uh, Lord, today we pray, Holy Spirit, come teach us, illumine your word, help us understand, and Lord, give us the strength and the nourishment and the maturity and the and the fervor and the zeal today, Lord, to go out and spread the gospel to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I know you'll remember that uh, in the city of God, as it's described in Scripture, that there's imagery of a mission being carried out. A mission requiring an engaged life on the part of the people that are called to that mission. You can see it all over your Bibles. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses this imagery as he exhorts the saints for service in God's kingdom. He says of himself that he fought the good fight. He finished the course, and he called many others to do the same during the course of his ministry. And he exhorted the saints to put on armor. He talks of faithful soldiers and hardworking farmers and careful shepherds, fellow workers even. Paul spoke of weapons of righteousness, waging warfare, destruction of fortresses, a life of actively standing firm. Paul speaks of an army of saints in God's kingdom, clothed in the righteousness of our king, waging war with the gospel of Jesus Christ, heeding the call of Christ our captain, as he subdues all of his enemies under his feet. I'm so blessed to remember Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. It says, To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This is the good news of the kingdom that Jesus came preaching in the pages of Scripture. And as we continue our series on the church this morning, we're focused on specifically today on the mission of the church, the mission. So let's ask ourselves this morning, what is it that I'm to be actively engaged in as a Christian living out my Christian life? What's my purpose? What's the purpose of my being equipped for the ministry here at Hayden Bible Church? What do we do with our lives in this kingdom anyway? Paul tells his disciple Timothy to stay with him in this active engagement. He says, no soldier in active service entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life, the lesser things, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. There's a focused mission in the city of God. It's a mission requiring action. You and I are called to this action. This morning, we're going to spend time in a very familiar passage. I hope you're turning to Matthew 28. We're familiar with Matthew 28 as the chapter of the Great Commission. The call of Christ, our captain, sending us out to gather disciples from all the nations. 
After Jesus presented himself as the once-for-all sacrifice, achieving eternal atonement at the cross, after he had died, he was buried, and three days later was risen from the dead, risen as the first fruits of those who are asleep. And in his powerful, resurrected majesty, he appeared to hundreds of people, but specifically to his disciples just before he ascends to his throne. And as Matthew uh, 28 recounts in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 16, the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's be really purposeful this morning and take time to see with clear eyes that our mission is gathering disciples from all nations. That's our mission. You might remember from Genesis 22 the, the, regarding the covenant that God made with Abraham. God told him that in his seed, in Abraham's seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Later in Galatians 3, the Apostle Paul helps us to see this seed of Abraham is actually Christ, Jesus himself. It's not merely Israel and Judah who would be the sole beneficiaries of the new covenant and the Messiah's blood, a secure, eternal salvation by grace through faith, but everybody from every nation now has access to the same. Again, from Galatians 3, verse 8, Paul says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So our mission, as those grafted into this new covenant, our mission is gathering disciples from all nations. Let's look a little closer at our passage this morning, starting in verse 16. Matthew says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. Some were doubtful. Some saw him and worshipped, but some doubted. These were the very people appointed to be the witnesses to Christ's resurrection and carry the good news of the kingdom across the planet. Yet some were doubtful. I wonder, in our lives, is there ever doubt in your heart? Maybe in your life this morning, does doubting ever enter in and restrict your ministry, what you're called to? Maybe you do believe that Christ was raised from the dead, but maybe at times you have other doubts that take you out of this commission. For instance, do you hear the call for the mission, yet possibly doubt it actually can be accomplished? The enemy's just too clever, or maybe it's the wrong dispensation, so I don't need to work like that right now. I wonder if at times some of us are convinced that Satan is actually the one with all the authority. And that the Great Commission is just a great idea, and that's all. But it really won't be that successful, or worse yet, it'll be a dismal failure. 
and then Christ will return. So I'll just hope for the rapture. Maybe our doubting at times really is about his resurrection in the sense that some of us don't believe he has power over death. And maybe the strong one prowling around the planet seeking to devour is actually the one with all authority. So the Great Commission is just squelched. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul helps us see what's happening now. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who were asleep, the first fruits. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are at his coming, Christ at his coming, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. And here's what's happening now, Paul says. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Christ reigns from his throne now. He's subduing enemies even now. I know you remember from Matthew 12, Jesus was demonstrating that the kingdom, the rule and the reign and the dominion of Christ had come. In verse 22 of Matthew 12, Jesus had cast out a demon from a, a man that was born blind, from a, a, a man that was blind and mute. And he was accused by the Pharisees of casting out that demon by the power and authority of Satan. In verse 28, Jesus responds to that lie and says, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? By casting out demons, Christ is demonstrating that all authority had been given to him in heaven and on earth. And that the strong man, Satan, is bound and cannot prevent the coming of the kingdom. He can no longer successfully deceive nations. And because of that, you and I, with expectation of success, you and I are to make disciples of the nations by the power and the authority of Christ, the King. Jesus is the plunderer of Satan's former dominion. He's the pillager of his house. If there's any doubting in your heart, let these scriptures convince you that Jesus is king and has dominion over all principalities and powers. Listen as well from Luke 11, verse 21. Jesus says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he, Christ via the cross attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. And then Jesus, the plunderer, the one stronger, he says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. 
Jesus has bound Satan and is raiding his kingdom of darkness and bringing redemption to those whose eyes have been blinded, and he's setting captives free even today through your preaching of the gospel. You're either with him gathering or you're against him scattering even today. Back to our Matthew 28 passage. Listen to what the king says in verse 18. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What Jesus says here is a culmination of the prophecy that we read from Daniel and really the whole Old Testament. Again from Daniel 7.14 as he prophesies about one like the Son of Man coming up through the clouds, being presented before the Ancient of Days, Daniel says, To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. All authority has been given to me, he says. It doesn't say what you might be secretly thinking in your heart as you doubt. Maybe, you know, maybe some authority has been given to Jesus, but Satan still has most of it. Maybe Jesus has like 30%, but Satan has 70, so we, we can't really expect the Great Commission to be all that successful. So we turn inward as a church and become self-therapeutic, ignoring the call to go. We're bored with ourselves, so we get caught up in lesser things. The, the, the Lord of the Rings is more interesting than the kingdom of heaven, we might think. We might even believe a good part of the authority has been actually given to the governments of the nations, including our own, and that the success of the Great Commission is subject to their laws and hindered by their power. No, he says, all authority has been given to me. Now, in Matthew 16, he says to Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Make sure we see in these truths this morning that the, in the mission city, the city of God, with the mission of gathering disciples from all nations, first of all, that Jesus has all authority for his mission. Are you convinced of it? We even sing songs about this at our church. On Sundays, we say, Behold our God seated on his throne. Jesus, Savior, risen now to reign. Reigning until all enemies are put under his feet as the conquering king of glory. And then the the last enemy he'll overcome is death. Because Jesus has all authority for his mission. The church's mission of gathering disciples from all nations, even to the end of the earth. Even in our series, we've been singing that our call to war is to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, don't we? And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. We sing that. And in Christ, you and I, we're more than conquerors. And our mission is gathering disciples from every one of those nations. So let's not allow ourselves to be caught up in lesser things, the affairs of the world. 
So Christ, though one with all authority, 100% of the authority, says in verse 19 of our passage in Matthew, he says, go therefore. Go. By the grace of God, our second point today, just see it. Jesus uses us in his mission. Isn't that a blessing? Go therefore. This is our call to action. Go, he says, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and my dominion is of all creation, then you go. Based on the truth of my authority, move your body. Because I'm in charge, go. Mobilize, organize, go out and reach the nations. Oh, church, arise. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. In Mark 16, our, our captain, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's taught you and I to pray that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And like we read this morning in Revelation 1, he says, I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. So go. He says later in Revelation, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates into the city by the gates. The city of God. He tells us to go. Continuing in, in verse 19, our king, with all authority, by the way, says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations, starting with the members of your own household in this nation. And go outside to your neighborhood and to your friends and to your co-workers and maybe even the checker at the grocery store. And even, dare I say, to the city council or the board of commissioners. Everyone is to be brought under the submissive lordship of Jesus Christ as king. Even people in Mexico, even the government in China, or the dictator in North Korea, even your congressperson and the president, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, Christ must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet as a footstool. So you and I, we proclaim everywhere that Christ is Lord and Master. We make disciples of all nations. We preach the gospel and call for repentance. That's our job. Our mission is that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These truths we can see as well this morning that Jesus will accomplish his mission. He will have it done. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and earth and under the earth, so that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will accomplish his mission. 
I just want you to know this morning, as his church, you have license to even tell local governments, whether you're in, in Idaho or in Nepal, to, to submit to his authority, not to mob authority, but to his authority, based on his word. The authority of the word of God must be proclaimed as the supreme authority in all places where he reigns. And we've already seen is everywhere. When we are representing Jesus Christ in our community, we aren't, we are not representing a political party. We're not joining a mob of people to to beat on the table for our rights. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. In Paul's vernacular, we're his soldiers. We're ambassadors of the living God. And and what we have to say is the word of God. That's it. And when we take the truth of the word of the God to, to our community, we're operating under the authority of his great commission. And that's the only time. We're his soldiers. And we expect that as his word goes out, as we have learned in our past messages in the series, that it will accomplish that for which he sent it, using our mouths and our hands and feet in these types of good works. And when we do this, our master even says that our heart orientation says it should be that when we do all these things which are commanded us, like taking the word out, we, we say we are unworthy slaves and we have only that have done which we ought to have done. That's our heart. Because this isn't about us. It's about him. It's his kingdom, and he's the king. Let's go back to our passage, verse 19. We are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples includes proclaiming that Christ is Lord and Master. And that he will hold all accountable for rebelling against his authority. Because there is a day of judgment coming where books will be opened. And everyone will be judged according to their deeds. And all, it turns out, will be found guilty. And justly deserving of condemnation. Yet this king, this This wonderful, merciful Savior. He offers terms of peace now. For those who surrender to him now, he himself offers to take the judgment of God on himself in our place. Here's the decision as we make disciples. Will justice be carried out on you for all eternity in hell? Or will justice for your rebellion be carried out on him, the once for all sacrifice? Paul preaches in Acts 17 that God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Here in Matthew 28, the repenters are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Repenters are baptized and immersed in water in the name of the triune God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to hear more on baptism later in our series, but now... Just today we see in his commissioning us, baptism is the outward sign of our receiving his mercy. And now being counted part of his kingdom through the gospel, through repentance and through resting on Christ alone. And the blood of his cross for cleansing and and the regeneration that we we receive uh, through our new birth by the Holy Spirit of God. We, We baptize disciples, we baptize believers In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we go, we proclaim, we call, we baptize, and again here we teach. Listen to Jesus as he continues in verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Notice here in verse 20, first of all, that Jesus tells the apostles that he's talking to to teach the disciples that they make all that Jesus taught them. They were to teach us what they were taught. And so they wrote the whole New Testament. And so, and we're so fortunate to have the apostles' teaching right here in our Bibles this morning. They're, they're still carrying out what was commanded them by their master. In fact, the Apostle Paul helps us see that the torch of the apostles' teaching is handed off when he exhorted Timothy to do the same. He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Remember, as the word spreads, the kingdom spreads. That's how it works. Paul tells the Ephesians that they are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. When John describes the city of God in Revelation 21, he says the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The apostles' teaching is the foundation of our heavenly city. And and as you and I obey the commission of our captain, we are building on their foundation by the word of God. This is how we make disciples, by God's word. Again, the apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The knowledge of God in the word of God handed down by the apostles to the obedience of Christ. So in verse 20 of our passage, Jesus says, teach these new disciples, teach them the word to observe all that I commanded you. Remember, guys, this 
mission in the city of God is an image restoration project where the image of God marred at the fall is being restored as the gospel spreads more and more and more people are brought into the kingdom. The Great Commission here in Matthew 28 doesn't end at sharing the gospel. It continues day by day as you and I are being transformed into the image of Christ, clear up until the day that each of us is received in glory when we will be like him. And we're going to be really happy about that. Making disciples in our mission includes discipleship. Teaching believers to obey the word. That's discipleship. In 2 Corinthians 3, after the veil is lifted so that each can see the glory of Christ, Paul writes and says that we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. As someone comes to Christ, when a new disciple is made, the image restoration has begun. And the process of maturing into the fullness of his image, the fullness possible in this life is through the ministry of the word of God to the saints. Strong men and women of God are are made strong by the word. Disciples aren't merely taught what to believe based on the word of God, but disciples are taught how to obey based on the word of God. Jesus tells his apostles to teach us to observe or obey all that he commanded them. You can see this process clearly as the apostle Paul, when he was saved, uh, remember from Acts 22, as Paul looks back and recounts his crossing paths with the resurrected Christ, he asks when he sees him, Who are you, Lord? And then in, in his first act of obedience, based on faith, he asks, What shall I do, Lord? A born-again disciple of Jesus Christ has a new creation heart, complete with a desire to obey his newfound Lord. And that desire must be met with instruction from the word of God. More to come on that later in this series. Mechanical religion, by the way, turns this pattern around and gets it backwards. Scripture teaches that obedience of faith leads to obedience of life. Okay? I know some of us have been trained in our past that obeying what he commands has is, is somehow been convoluted into some sort of a work of the law. And at some level we've been inappropriately trained to think that obedience to him is somehow against grace. That's not true. Nothing could be further from the actual truth of the word of God. Let's ask ourselves this morning, what a life lived in the restored image of God would look like? What would it actually look like if not walking just as he walked? Did Christ give commands that went against his nature? No way. And as partakers of his divine nature through the indwelling ministry of his spirit, he tells us to walk like him, to obey all that he commanded. Listen to 1 John 6, the one who says he abides in him, the one who says, hey, I'm a Christian, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The supernatural work of God in salvation works itself out in a life that looks increasingly like Christ's. 
We're made to conform to the image of Jesus. Another question. I was thinking about this today. Are you learning to obey all that he commands? And regarding our mission in his kingdom, are you willing to teach others to obey all that he commands? When I ask that question, do you get a little bristle in the back of your neck? Or by the word of God, are you casting down every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? Lord, let that be all of our response. Jesus will accomplish his mission. The glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The holy temple will be constructed. A bride will be made ready. The heavenly city will shine the righteousness of Christ to the glory of our King. Jesus will accomplish his mission. Listen, there's beautiful language from Ezekiel regarding this. He says, thus says the Lord God, I will also take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I will pluck from the topmost of its young, young twigs a tender one, and I will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the high mountain of Israel I will plant it, that it may bring forth boughs and bear fruit and become a stately cedar. And birds of every kind will nest under it, and they will nest in its shade, in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will perform it, he says. Jesus will accomplish his mission. He will gather disciples from all nations. Finally, let's look back to verse 20. He tells us, he has all authority, and based on that authority, we're to go, therefore, Go and make disciples and to baptize his people and to teach what he commanded. And his final words in the commission are the most comforting words that we could ever receive for our mission. They're the words a mom needs when she's making disciples in her home. They're the words a husband needs as he washes his wife in the water of the word. They're the words that missionaries that are going through hard things in Mexico and Nepal and Israel and China need as they carry out the will of their Savior in making disciples. They're the words of every heart longing for His glory. Listen to His words. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. In the age of this commission, the age we're in right now, Jesus is with us in his mission. He is with us in his mission. The former Mosaic covenant age has passed, and you and I live in the age of the new covenant in Christ's blood. In, in, in Christ, in the, in the business of overcoming uh, enemies right now, is using us as we go with him. Because he's with us as we go. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Don't you remember 
through Scripture, his will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was with Joseph in prison, with David in front of Goliath. He was with Daniel in the furnace. He was with Peter and Paul and all the apostles as they preached the gospel. He was with Martin Luther preaching salvation by grace. He was with George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards during the Great Awakening. He was with Hudson Taylor and D.L. Moody and Jim Elliott. He was with the precious saint who shared the good news of the kingdom with you the day that you believed. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. His presence on this mission is joy everlasting. Jesus is with us in his mission clear up until the last day when he returns in glory to carry out that great judgment. So what should we be doing? Being worried that he's not with us? No. Ignoring the mission because we can't see how he could use me? No. Did you know he can use you? Even homebound. Even in a wheelchair, he can use you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness in this mission. Finally, as we close, close to closing, <laughs> I, did, I, I know that I robbed that, but I didn't mean to say that. Uh, let's be careful in his mission to avoid decoys. Maybe some of us are being decoyed right now, being decoyed off into working night and day to figure out who the Antichrist is, maybe. Looking at the Coeur d'Alene Press to somehow calculate how many days until he returns. <laughs> Wringing our hands, worried that he might, that some of us might accidentally Take the mark of the beast somehow. By the way, a born-again believer will never swear allegiance to a satanic power. Never. Is it possible that you've been drawn away from his great commission? Could it be that you're focused on lesser things today? Maybe it's time to turn back to the mission as a good soldier. Our mission is gathering disciples from all nations. Jesus has all authority for his mission. He, he uses us by his grace. We're counted very fortunate to be part of his mission. And he will accomplish his mission. Jesus is with us in his mission. Are we just waiting for the rapture here? Turning the church into some sort of a massive self-help program to help us get through each day? Are we about life coaches? Are, are we about career and success managers? Are we up in arms and va- about vaccines when the, when the Great Commission is calling our name? Will you follow your king, your captain, into the battle today? The real battle? The word of God battle? Let's close with Luke 24. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer 
and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, so testify. Don't hold back. You are an ambassador of the living Christ. You've been called to go, whether it's in your living room praying or to the Congo in Africa. You are witnesses of these things, so testify. Let's pray. Our Father, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That Christ may receive the reward for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Lord, help us believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. Lord, give us the strength and power of Christ to take this message everywhere we go. In Christ's name.